Yes, hello everyone. How's it going? What's the crack? My name is Michael and welcome back to a brand new episode of the McLav podcast. Uh, I hope you're having a fantastic day, uh, wherever you're listening to this from, however you're listening to it. And as always, I thank you so much for doing so. Um, what's the crack? It's uh, It's been a long time since I've, since I've recorded an episode. The last one of these I recorded was in May. Way, way back in May, at the other side of the summer, at the start of the summer, before, uh, just before I finished the second year of uni, and um, as I always do, I said I had big plans for the summer, I was going to come home, I was going to record maybe an episode a week, I was going to be on top of it all, and as always, that was just gibberish, that was just me trying to convince myself that I was going to do loads be productive over the summer, and I just, I just wasn't, I moved home, packed everything into the suitcases, put it in the attic, and uh, literally just lifted it down and dusted it off today, Um, a couple of people had asked, and whatever else, was it, was it giving it up, and was it still going to do it, and I'd never, th- like, mentally said, like, oh, I'm not doing it again, I always wanted to keep doing it, I do want to keep doing it, these, these are so much fun to do, just to sit and ramble away to myself but I always wanted to make sure that they were they were good they were worth listening to and um I just truth be told couldn't have been bothered over the summer um but in that time since May there's been a lot going on um a lot of sport and from the outside I'll just say you know if this is your first time listening thank you to begin with but this this is not you know mostly a sports related podcast um so anything that I'm going to be talking about over the next while will be sports related and will just sort of tie into what has happened in the world of sport over the past three months. Well, nearly four months now. Actually, yeah, since the last episode, I think I just checked, there was the 5th of May. It's been four months. Four months since I last recorded. And there's been a lot of sport. Um, we'll go through a few of them, sort of the different events that have taken place. And uh, the good, the bad, the enjoyable, and and the funny, I suppose. Um, I haven't played any sport. Well, that's I take that back. I've played a lot of golf, but um, I've watched a ton of sport, and just enjoyed it. Um, uh, just try to get back to watching sport from an enjoyment point of view. I'll talk a wee bit more about this later when, when I get into talking about the American football. But for too long there, and I know this is. It's kind of hypocritical because I want to be a sports journalist, but I was watching sport with too much of a critical eye. I, you know, I tweeted about this the other day that I was trying to be too analytical. I was trying to find an angle that not everybody had. I was trying to be different instead of just enjoying the the games, the matches, the events for the spectacles that they are. And there have been some spectacles, um... I'm recording this Friday the 9th of September and well, we're, there's a, there's another massive weekend of sport coming up. Um, obviously the football has just been called off. Um, there was just announced out this morning after the death of the Queen. So the football's off but there's still plenty there's still plenty on. Um, we've got Formula 1 American football. Loads of sports to, to, to still enjoy and um, the football will take, the Premier League now will take it 
a bit of a break um, for the period of mourning for the Queen before then heading into an international international break. But I think it'll start off sort of back towards the start of the summer. Um, I want to talk about Armagh and the summer that they had because they provided such a summer of entertainment. Granted, it didn't end how everybody wanted it to end, but, you know, not to sound deep about it all, but the the journey of it was unbelievable. Um, it all it all ended in in the quarterfinals against Galway, and what was just one of the best events I've ever been to best uh, the best sporting event I've ever attended. Um, the atmosphere, the build up, the match itself was just end to end fantastic. Um, Armagh's run w- w- was brilliant. They beat Tyrone. Um. They beat Donegal and Clonus, two fantastic days out, and then the hype and the build up from the Donegal game to the uh, to the quarter final against Galway was just incredible. The turn Croker Orns, the towns across the county were just buzzing. Everywhere you read, everything you watched and listened to was just talking about the hype and the excitement, and uh, yeah. As I said, unfortunately, the result wasn't to be. But the uh, the the weird sense of togetherness, you know, like this is one thing for me especially, because as I said, that I I don't play. I have played Gaelic football in maybe ten years, nine eight eight or nine years probably, and um, I miss it. I, I wish I could go back to playing. I'm nowhere near fit enough. Wouldn't. But this is this is my point. I don't per se have a club. When I was younger and I grew up, for those that live in around the Logan area, I uh, I played with St. Peter's when I was younger, whatever else, and then left Gaelic altogether, didn't play. And then when I went back, I went and played at St. Paul's, and then left like Gaelic again. So, you know, everyone in, in, in sort of the GA, in the GA community has their club, and that's just sort of a birthright. You know, there's no real choices in that, but I sort of floated between a couple and there's no real sense of belonging for me to one particular club but when it comes to the county football then it's like oh we're, we're all united behind the one cause here and that's what made it so enjoyable the, the togetherness everybody just enjoying enjoying the uh, the experience of having Armagh back at the you know sort of the right end of the draw you know late end of the season where they should be granted now this is the first year of the new format where all inter county football was out of the way before club football, and it had culminated in July, which was a strange feeling rather than September. And I would love to get some people's thoughts on that. You know, anybody that plays football and you have to now wait for your club season. Not wait, sorry, your club season gets to start earlier because the inter county game is finished in July. So that's a brand new format. Uh, I would love to know people's opinions on that because it was one that divided people massively. Um, some people thought, you know, rushing the county county season means then that it's out of the spotlight and it loses its its ground and its traction um, from a popularity standpoint, if that makes sense, compared to the other sports, compared to soccer and rugby and whatever else, and then trying to build the game from grassroots level becomes tougher because there's nothing on the TVs to, to watch and enjoy. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, Armagh were beating the quarterfinals. Kerry were the eventual All-Ireland winners in another cracker. 
of a of a match against Galway. Um, their semi final as well against Dublin was incredible. Um, Shawnee O'Shea kicking a, a ridiculous free to to put uh, carry through to the final in the, in the literally the last seconds of the game. Then in the final, it was just uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a display of brilliance. But there's a, a there's a phrase that everybody used following the the All Ireland final that uh, I can't remember. But basically, David Clifford and Shane Walsh for Galway just put on an absolute clinic. That's the word. A clinic, um, of kicking excellence. The, the the pair of them just kicking scores for fun, left foot, right foot, and to be fair to Galway, were unfortunate not to come away as winners that day. Kerry just kicked on towards the end and you know kept Galway at arm's length, but it was it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then there was more sort of controversy following the county season. Um, Galway's Shane Walsner, who I mentioned, uh, come out and said that he he was looking to transfer. Um, he was looking to leave his uh his home club and moved to one in Dublin because that's where where he's living now full time and he wants to play he wants to regularly play f- club football but he didn't want to have to do the commute back and forth to uh, to Galway um and that sparked a massive debate you know I was saying there you know most your club is more or less through birthright um and that you should never change it it just doesn't change but in this case Shane Walls has he he's made the move to Kilmacud Crooks in Dublin. And people are, are are up in arms about it. So that's that's an that's another thing I want to know. Like, do you think players should be should should they be able to transfer? You know, is, should there be transfer policies made available in the GA between club players? Um, that in the shortened season really had a massive. You know, the club the club game has been in the spotlight a lot this year. Before it even started, and before it has even come to a conclusion, um. Talking about a lot of different topics, but that that one is it's a bit of a tricky one. Um, I see why people are so steadfast in making sure that players stay with their clubs. It just it seems right, it feels right, and the idea of transfers, um, opening up sort of leads into the shady area where what's the reasoning behind them? Then politics, you know, football and politics becomes involved, maybe then there's money involved and that starts to get very away from what the GA is and the essence of it being, you know, an amateur sport and you play for the pride in, in the jersey of where you're from. And a lot of people have started to say now that if this it becomes like an open door policy where teams can recruit players from other parts of the country, then then it's game over. Then it'll become a, a monopoly where you'll have maybe two or three dominant clubs per county and then the you know they they win every year and it just it loses it the edge that it had that it still has um so yeah i would not necessarily against it unless there's a you know sort of good justification and reasoning behind it like sort of shane walsh had there but if you start to let that happen all the time then it's just uh it'll be it'll be game over for competitiveness put it that way because I I can't remember the exact score, but the first championship match that the Kilmacud played with Shane Walsh on board, I think they scored something mental like three twenty seven or five something or other, and just absolutely hammered the opposition. So it it, it could kill competition 
very quickly, and that's not that's not what anybody wants. Um, you don't you don't want it to be a two horse or a one horse race every year. And that is the uh, that's the end of the GA horse, not the GA horse, the GA talk. But it's not the end of the one horse race talk because uh, Formula One, from the highs that it was last year to not the lows this year, but the the dra- the drama has gone. Last year, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, wheel to wheel, wire to wire, every every race more or less, and. Um, went right down to the final race of the season, the final lap of the season, and this year that is not the case whatsoever. We're just out of the summer break. We've had, this weekend will be the third race after the summer break. Pardon me. And Max Verstappen more or less has the championship uh, wrapped up. He has, uh, I don't know, like a hundred and something point lead. Uh, There was a stat flying around that he could take another month off and whoever's in second place could win every single race and Max Verstappen would still have a comfortable lead out at the front. So he's winning the championship this year. The battle for second is, uh, you know, Max's dominance has mostly been caused by Ferrari's incontinence and their ability to continually shit the bed every week. Uh, their strategies haven't been great. Their car's been blowing up. Um, It just... Max has been brilliant, but his, his large lead at the top of the table has been helped massively by the competition around him, just not performing. Mercedes developed a car that was just rubbish for the first part of the season, um, gradually got better right up until the summer break. They had, they had pole position in Hungary, went to the summer break, come back two seconds off the pace, and um, slowly they're, they're, they're getting back. Uh, this weekend in Monza... Will be a talent story. There's already grid penalties coming through, and for those that don't really understand, for or care for Formula One, basically throughout the year you have to add or you have to add fresh components to your car. So you'll maybe put a new engine in it or a new gearbox. And if you've already taken your allotted amount, so say you're like three per year, if you take your fourth, then you get a penalty and you get sent further to the back of the grid. Um, so it's going to be another jumbled, slightly jumbled upgrade this weekend. But that that, as we've seen uh, in the Belgian Grand Prix, that means for absolutely nothing because Max Verstappen won from fourteenth uh, position. So the competition aspect of it seems to be dead this season. Anyway, we'll we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. Max can win the title here within the next four or five races if he wins out. If he wins every race for the next. I think it's the next four races. Then he'll be world champion for the second year in a row. Um, so the, the, there's still a bit to go, but it's more or less wrapped up and it's over. Um, so that's the Formula 1 talk, you know, sort of wrapped up nice and quickly. Uh, then the Premier League come back. So it was a short summer in, in terms of uh, the Premier League being away. Um the you know the players seemed to be off for what literally felt about three weeks before coming back, and um, the start of the season has been brilliant. The competition, like the level of competition, has been class. Uh, you know, shock results already coming through, and uh, I know we're, it's sort of cancelled now for a few weeks here. But what we've seen so far 
uh, means the season could be brilliant. Uh, it's going to be a tough season because of the condensed calendar to fit in the World Cup, which still seems so strange that we're going to be having that in the winter. Um, Man United, uh, the team I support, got off to... Uh, saying a rocky start would be a bit of an understatement. Two disastrous defeats back-to-back before then getting three wins on the bounce. The loss to Brighton on the opening day before then getting absolutely hammered by not even just completely embarrassed by Brantford um, 4-0 in the first half it was just shambolic all round you know Eric Ten Hag come in brought this new lease to life everybody thought this is going to be brilliant this is it Man United are back you know we have a great squad together now and then the first two games just put everybody right back to square one you know the fear immediately come back. Uh, we just thought this was going to be another season of complete mediocrity. Then it started to raise the questions of if Ten Hag can't do it, if Ralph Ranić couldn't do it, if Solskjaer couldn't do it, you know, what the hell is wrong with this team? Mourinho was doing it. You know, United finished second two, two or three, like two seasons in a row, I think it was, under Mourinho. And one of the, you know, it was the last time we won a trophy. But then all of a sudden the team just went to complete dogs. But it seems now in the games that have followed the openers that United are slowly finding a bit of form. Having just said that now, they were beat 1-0 last night against Real Sociedad in the uh, Europa League. And a Barson start for Ronaldo. His first game in, in that competition since he was a teenager. Casemiro come on. Um, sorry, Casemiro started, got absolutely rinsed. One of the maddest nutmegs I've ever seen. Um... And just all round was probably an embarrassing outing for him and Ronaldo, who between and, and Varane, although Varane wasn't there actually, take that back. But for for Ronaldo and Casemiro, they were looking at each other, going, "What what is going on here? Like we we've won many Champions Leagues, and now we're we're playing in the Europa League here, getting embarrassed at home at Old Trafford." Um, hopefully that doesn't un, un unsteady the ship, because as I say, things were just coming around, things were just. Starting to settle down again. The Premier League starting to, to, to bank a few wins. But um, I think I think the, the, the Premier League, as competitive as it is, we will see Man City crown champions again at the end of the year. Simply based on Erling Haaland and the man's ability to just continuously score goals at every single opportunity. He had back-to-back hat-tricks. I think he's nine goals in four games in the Premier League. He scored two midweek in the Champions League. And he's just going to clean up. There was all the talk, all the debate. When he comes to, you know, will he be able to do it in the Premier League? Will he be able to do it? And within a month, within three weeks, he's just went, yes. Yes, I will be able to. And nobody seems to have an answer for him. Uh, He's just... Now... His goals are strikers' goals. They're poachers' goals. You know, he's just in the right place at the right time to tap everything in. But, you know, so what? Man said he have such a good team built around him and their squad depth is just insane that you can put anybody in any of the positions and so long as they're feeding the ball through to Haaland, if he's anywhere within the box, you know, it could well be a case that he doesn't score a goal from outside the box all season. Because if I'm right in saying none of his goals have been from outside the box so far. He did have a penalty in there as well. 
but you know people aren't going to have a leg to stand on when they start if they start calling them like a oh, penalty merchant or you know only scores toppings because you know if they're toppings anybody could do it but he just seems to be in the right place making the right runs at the right time all the time it, t- it takes a, it takes a football brain uh, and not not even so much the football brain just the sheer size and strength of the guy to be able to uh perform at the level that he's performing so City are sitting pretty and it could be a very good season for them. If they don't win the Champions League this year, it's, it's I, I don't know, it's just inexplicable. Um, They've got far and away the best squad, I think, in Europe and uh, they'll, they'll be a very tough team to beat. Um, elsewhere in the Premier League, I mean, Liverpool off to... An equally slow start as United. Um, I like I as much as the next person love slagging Liverpool. Don't get me wrong; it is one of my favorite pastimes, and I will continually do it week in, week out, any day of the week, and twice on a Sunday. Do not get me wrong, but that Liverpool team is knackered. Um, just played every single possible game last year, and I'm not making excuses. I'm not sympathizing because their their play has been horrible. You know, just watching clips of their defending has just been absolutely atrocious. In fact, laughable. And this is coming from someone who supports United and, you know, for the past season had Harry Maguire in defence. Um but some of the some of the some of the things you see coming out of that Liverpool defence are just tragic. Um but then you have to do take into consideration that the, the lads are probably knackered. There was a clip during the rounds the other day, no this yesterday maybe, of you know, the team's lining up pretty much and, you know, the way they go along, check everybody's hands and the whole team walked on and Trent and Salah literally just stood staring off into the crowd, daydreaming as the whole team walked off and that just sort of told a whole story. Like, these lads are that knackered that they can't even mentally check in for the uh, the pre-match handshakes. So, I don't know how the hell they're expected to compete 90 minutes. Um... This break, this 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 weekend, then the international break will do these lads, the Liverpool team, the world of good. Um, might be bad news for the rest of the league if if the if they get rested and find a bit of form. But until then, I will continue to laugh. I will continue to slag, and have absolutely zero regrets or, you know, grievances for it because we United for the first time in a few years. You know, really put a beating on Liverpool, and it was fantastic. Um, completely unexpected. Did not see it coming, and that makes it all the better. You know, when you think one of these, you know, last year we went 9-0, you know, aggregate loss against Liverpool last season, to then all of a sudden just beating them. Um, you'll take it. You'll absolutely take it. Um, I just have a note here saying, what the fuck, Chelsea? Because... That's the only way. Like, yes, results weren't exactly great, but you just went through an absolute shit show of trying to get a new owner in place, trying to steady the ship. It looked like for all the while at the end of last season that you might lose your stadium, God knows what else. Abramovich is out. Todd Bowley comes in. I'm assuming that's how you said Todd Bowley. And Bowley, mother of God, that he just changed the place about 
he made all these weird signings, you know, Fafana for 75 million. I don't know how Leicester export these centre-backs for the prices that they do, but there's Harry Maguire for 80 million and Fafana for 70 million. Just doesn't make sense. And then Cucurella, that whole saga, where he had signed and then he hadn't signed. That was another thing in the Formula 1 as well, the whole driver market and whatever else. Again, topic for another day, because that, that could that could warrant a podcast all on its own. Um, Chelsea just... I don't know. But then the go and sack Thomas Tuchel was just ridiculous, because who are you going to bring in that's really going to be at uh, a level and at an understanding of the squad that he is? You know, it seems like you've just automatically given up on this season and are going back to square one and I just don't get it you know the, the new owner comes in tries to make an impression on fans and immediately like just throws pie in their face says nah you know like I'm doing it my it's as if like the signings to me come across as this American guy buying a soccer team and you know his son who plays FIFA is like oh hey dad we should buy this guy you know just literally for the laugh just chucking millions of pounds about the place being like yeah let's get him is he available I will take him as well and sure if you're selling him we'll take him there just seemed to be no rhyme or reason to why they were bringing in the signings that they did and <sighs> Chelsea Chelsea could have a long long season ahead of them Um, it just didn't make any sense None whatsoever, but that's that's it. Elsewhere in London, I mean, you've Spurs and Arsenal who are off to good starts as well. Um, United bringing Arsenal's unbeaten start to the season, uh, bringing that run to an end when we beat them there at the weekend. Or sorry, weekend past. Um, Spurs under Conte finally seem to be, you know, playing the football and find the form that. People expected of content, not necessarily Spurs. Richarlison, ridiculous signing for them. Um, just seems to compliment Kane so well. Not even so much Kane himself, but they're interchangeable. So if if Kane comes off, Richarlison can re- can assume Kane's role. They can play together. Um, Kulishevsky as well is, is an absolute baller. Uh, so yeah, the the two North London teams are are worth keeping an eye on this year. There could definitely be some silverware, whether it's a League Cup, an FA Cup or something, going that way. Um, and about time, you know, the two teams have been in the mud there for a few years and just not really achieving anything, but it would be interesting, it would be good to see them actually back at high level, competitive level, and then that would actually be a fair balance to compare them against each other. And that's, that's about it. That's about the height of the Premier League chat. Um, what else? If you want to quickly dip into Scottish football, Celtic beat Rangers there 4 0 last, uh, last Saturday. Then both teams went out midweek and got absolutely hammered in the Champions League. Um, Ajax beat Rangers 4 0. Real Madrid beat Celtic 3 0. And that's just sort of the reality that Scottish football is. Um, miles off the pace compared to everybody else, but. Uh, enjoyable and competitive when it's when it's kept you know 
between the two of them. And I, I was going to say within Scotland itself, but even at that, it's not even competitive in Scotland. It's between the two teams and who has the better season. And already it looks like this year it's, go, it's going to be Celtic, unless something massive changes. Um, Van Brankhorst, uh, obviously the Rangers last season, final of the Europa League. Um, incredible achievement for them. But just seem to be off the pace this year to, to start off with. Whereas on the on the other side of the coin, then you have uh, Celtic and Postecoglou who are seemingly finding form just at the, at the right time of the start of the season here. So you know, too early to call anything yet. But it's, it's things things are looking good uh, for the green and white side of Glasgow. And uh, yeah, so I mentioned earlier I've been playing a a bit of, a bit of golf this summer, and I have. Um, simply because it's absolutely class, and I don't want to hear any arguments against it. Um, whether you're good at it, whether you're you know shade at it like I am, it's just fun. Um, we started off you know just playing sort of Silverwood par three, having a laugh, and then you know you get that wee bit of self belief and confidence in you, and then you go out and yeah. You challenge yourself on different courses. I've played a few, played two or three, um, courses this summer, and I'm hoping to get a couple more in before I go back to back to England here in a couple of weeks. But it's just so much fun, and see when you go with your mates and everybody's having a laugh and everybody's playing equally as bad as each other, and it's just funny. Um, and in the professional scene as well in golf, it's it's wild at the minute. I don't know, a lot of people might be thinking, like, how the hell can you de- describe the professional golf scene as wild? Well, there's, if you if you don't know what's going on, uh, I'll explain it to you briefly, um, in the best way that I can. Um, there is a new golf tour, a new golf league, so to speak, and it's run by a Saudi Arabian-backed company who are quint billionaires quintillion trillion have any gods amount of money in the world and started poaching players off the PGA tour and basically taking the, the, the big names, the big talent and started running these different style golf tournaments. So typically a golf tournament runs over four days. This new it's called Live Golf. Live Golf now runs over three days. Um in a normal golf competition, everybody tees off in like a chronological order. So group A is at 8 o'clock, group B 5 past 8, 10 past 8, so on and so forth. Live golf is straight, and everybody in, in PGA Tour, you start in the first hole, and everybody goes 1, 2, 3, all the way up, and everybody finishes in the 18th. Live golf is completely different. Everybody's on the course at the one time. It's complete mayhem. Group 1 will start on hole 1. Group two, hole two, group three, hole three, and you just met. So your first hole could be the seventeenth, could be the eighteenth. You know, you could start in hole six, then you go to seven. It's just like a constant rotation of players on every single hole, and shorter format, massive, massive, massive prize money. Um, you're trying to make it more of like a party carnival atmosphere. Uh. There's music, there's DJs, there's events. It's just completely wild. There's teams. I don't even understand the team aspect of it. But there's like the, you know, the players play themselves and then I don't know if teams win or what the hell goes on. If it's like the team with the best aggregate score over the weekend. 
but naturally then there was there's a lot of opposition uh and a lot of opposition coming from uh, our very own Rory McIlroy who is heavily opposed to the idea of this live golf um, because the way he and a lot of other people say it is that it just it, it does because there's no there's no opportunity to be cut it removes competition it removes the the need for competition because everybody's already paid off you get your signing on bonus your playing bonus and then if you win you get millions more as well but there was a lot of uh, backfire from from a lot of people on the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour, which just concluded there two weeks ago, um, Roy McIlroy winning the Tour Championship and getting very close, I think, to cementing his place as uh, Ireland, you know, as an island, Ireland's best sports person. Uh, this conversation was had on a on a podcast I did probably well over a year ago. Um, Aidan McConville come on to voice um voice his opinion and his reason as to why he thinks Roy McIlroy is Ireland's greatest ever athlete. Um, and I countered that with you know asking what about the likes of uh Katie Taylor. People would obviously say Conor McGregor because of the the fame he shot to so quickly, uh, and then more recently, uh, I can't remember the girl's name, first name, but I know her surname's McGain, and she's been running in the European Championships, now, incredible achievement, is she Ireland's greatest ever sports person, I don't think so, um, there's a guy, I cannot for the life of me remember his name, but he just broke the, um, might have been the th- 1500 metre, or no, might have been the 100 metre sprint, Irish record, so in athletics, Ireland or Flan. Um but he didn't come on that episode but probably just over a year ago and um stated his case as to why he thinks McElroy's Ireland's greatest ever sports person and following the events of probably the last six months or so or since the turn of the year, um he's starting to have a point. McElroy played out of his skin. He uh he didn't win a major, which is what's really annoying. And which sort of has like sort of an asterisk against this season. He won the Tour Championship, which for anybody who doesn't know is like the final. So you, you play all your events throughout the year. You qualify for the playoffs. Then you play event after event. And then whoever wins the last event gets crowned the Tour Champion. Um, wins the FedEx Cup. And that has, like that was like 18 million that was worth. Um, so Rory wasn't too, isn't doing too bad for, for money at the minute anyway. Regardless of what he's saying or arguing about the uh, the the live golf, but he comes second in the Masters after an absolute charge back on the Sunday at Augusta, um, chipping in on the final hole with an incredible bunker shot, um, but just left it too little too late. Scotty Scheffler beat him there. Um, can't remember where he finished at the USPGA and the US Open. I know he. He should have finished tied second. He should have won the Open. He should have won the British Open at St Andrews. But uh, Cam Smith just come from roaring, roaring from behind. You know, this is one of these ones where people are like, McElroy's going to bottle it, McElroy's going to bottle it. But it just turned out, not necessarily that he bottled it. Smith just played out of his skin and caught him and overtook him. Um, and McElroy just couldn't get the putter working that day and ended up finishing tied third. <laughs> so... 
he didn't win a major, but he won the Tour Championship. He won, uh, what else did he win? He won the Canadian Open. And he won something else, which I cannot remember. But I can't remember what it was. No point even trying to trying to guess. But McElroy had himself a good season. Made a cool 18 mil at the end of it. So he's not doing too bad. And um, yeah, I would, I would love to know other people's opinions. Uh, if you've listened this far, mind you, this has just been a complete ramble. But uh, we're, we're now 36 minutes in. Um, who do you think? Ireland's greatest ever sports person is because there's a lot of people make a great case for it I know McElroy's definitely up there but I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on it and uh, sort of finally the NFL is back and hallelujah I love it everybody knows I love it I go on and on and on about it year after year and yeah so what I was saying at the very start of this episode um, about watching sport with too much of a critical eye, um, I I love American football, and I want I don't know if I want it or still want I genuinely don't know um, as a career to be involved in it, uh, whether that was to write or produce or edit or just something journalistically broadcast sort of you know I wanted to be involved on the media side of the NFL and I think that I really buried myself in that mindset last year um, I was like I need to be constantly writing I need to be constantly tweeting I need to be the first to share information I need to be the first to discover a new angle to discover a different way of looking at things to other people and I ended up actually losing ground, if that makes sense. And you might be asking, like, losing ground on what? Nothing really, but losing ground on being productive. Uh, Once I find myself not being first, once I find myself not getting the new or the right angle, instead of just saying things at face value for what they are, um, I find myself getting annoyed at myself. uh, And I didn't necessarily resent the sport, but... I felt it was putting me, I was putting myself under too much pressure to critically analyse it rather than just watch it and enjoy it. And that's what I want to do this year. I want to sit back on a Sunday and watch the NFL. I want to watch Red Zone. I want to watch every touchdown that goes in. I want to maybe throw a few bets on. And just sit back and watch it and enjoy it as a fan. If down the line, maybe next season, the season after, there there comes a point or it gets, you know, it's the case that I would be fortunate enough to actually work in a career with it. Well, then, of course, I'll go back to being immersed, you know, putting myself in that position where day in, day out, um, trying to find a niche. But for now, for this season, it's about watching and enjoying and it started last night with the Buffalo Bills against the Los Angeles Rams the Bills destroying the Super Bowl champion Rams in Los Angeles 31 to 10 Josh Allen flicking the ball about like it's nobody's business uh the guy's got an arm like a cannon the defense played incredible uh Matthew Stafford and the Rams just struggled just didn't seem to 
get going just didn't seem to like just their, their game plan they just never seemed to reach the right point in their game plan the, the, the tried something didn't work scrapped it tried something didn't work scrapped it and we're going nine different directions in the one game um, but it's game one and typically what happens at this point of the season everybody overreacts you know you write a team off after week one and then next thing you know it comes back to bite you and uh, they're in the Super Bowl you know Week one is free overreactions, and that's that's just the way it is. You know, the Rams lost. They'll get over it. They'll move on. If they win next week, they're already back to, you know, a 500 record. Um, You know, one and one. So, no time for panic. No time for disasters. Um, Just another fun season ahead, and hopefully hopefully it's entertaining. Um, And that, that's that's about the height of it. Um, have a, Oh! I didn't cover everything. I actually meant to talk about this earlier. Um, the Commonwealth Games. What an experience. Um, yeah. Um, I was at the Commonwealth Games. I was there as a games news service reporter. And it was just one of the most ridiculous experiences of my entire life. Um, I got to watch the Rugby 7. The wrestling. Uh, the judo. And I got to interview athletes from all over the world, speak with people. I think I, was, I did forty. Well, I was just shy of forty interviews. Um, the people from I think nineteen countries. I think I spoke to people from you know, ranging all the way from England to Australia, Kenya, Mauritius, Uganda, uh, Tonga, Canada, people from absolutely everywhere. Um, it was just the most surreal experience. Spent two weeks living in Birmingham, traveling to Coventry for for the events, and uh, yeah, it was. I have a, I have a couple of clips of it, of interviews and stuff that I've done, but I don't feel like now is the right time to play them. If I'm ever going to add them into a podcast, it'll be at a different time. Um, I speaking to amateur athletes who have just won gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, speaking to prospects who thought they were going to win gold medal and end up with the bronze or losing the final and only get silver um you know people from south africa new zealand fiji that it was just the most incredible experience and uh one that i definitely won't forget and, it, and that sort of gave me a, an appetite sort of got my appetite back and made me think about journalism and stuff this year and the podcast and whatever else and yeah incredible experience but I think I think that'll do us for now um I just I wanted to come on I just literally set everything up turn the microphone on and just start talking uh, there was no structure no rhyme no reason and I just felt like I wanted or needed to do one um I don't <laughs> At this point, I will not make any promises as to when the next one will be, um, because that is my worst feature, worst habit, um, of recording a podcast saying I'm going to get back in there, I'm going to do loads, and then you don't hear from it for four months. So that's what I'm saying. We'll leave this one as it is. I don't know when the next one will be. Hopefully, it won't be too long. You know, maybe once a month, maybe twice a month, but I'm not com- committing. Or guaranteeing anything. Because then you let people down. I don't like letting people down. Should I say. 
But yeah, uh, a fantastic summer of sport. Uh, one that I hope you enjoyed. One, I hope you had a fantastic summer. We're now back into the autumn, back into sort of that. Uh, what feels like I call it school time, but I mean, haven't been to school in God knows how long. And uh, yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you had a fantastic day, and I will see you all in the next episode of the Mick Love Podcast. Cheers.